AM850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. We are the messenger of good news. This is the Midday Moments program, and it's time now for our moment on the lighter side. We have a very special guest for the next few weeks in Advent, a man who many consider to be the foremost example of what it is to be a husband and a model for all fathers. I introduce to you none other than St. Joseph himself. Well, well, thank you for that glowing introduction, but I'm, I'm not sure that's quite accurate. Well, what do you mean, Joseph? W- would you call someone who thought his wife was a liar and a whore a good example? Would you call someone who almost abandoned his wife and child a model husband and father? I, I know what events you are referring to. Still, doesn't the Bible itself call you a righteous man? Well, that it does. But, but your comment demonstrates that most people don't understand what it is to be righteous. Most people think righteous people do what is right. But as my story illustrates, righteous people sometimes contemplate doing what is totally wrong. It's true, I, I, I do believe I am a righteous man, but the source of my righteousness is not to be found in what I did. So, why does the scripture call you a righteous man? Well, that's what I'd like to explain to you today. Uh, But in order to do that, I'd like you to read some things from the Bible. Why? You were there. Why don't you just give us a first-hand account? Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Do you want to rely on the memory of an old man whose mental faculties have seen the ravages of age or the inspired Word of God? (laughs) Uh, That's a no-brainer. Let's go with the Word of God. Well, then, if you would start reading from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Okay, I have the Bible right here in front of me, and you said Matthew one eighteen. is that correct? Yes, yes, that's it. Well, Matthew one eighteen. now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Pardon me for stopping you mid-verse, but I want to make note of something. And what is that, Joseph? Your English translations kind of muddle the meaning somewhat when it says the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, The word used here is actually much more profound in the Greek. Uh, The word actually means origin. So literally the text says now the origin of Jesus Christ is this. And what is the significance of that? Well, the significance is that Matthew uses the exact same word at the beginning of his gospel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. You mean where it says the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ? Again, literally the book of the origin of Jesus Christ. Matthew begins his gospel by giving us the human genealogy or origin of Jesus Christ, a list of men and women beginning with Abraham and including King David and and ending with my own father and grandfather. If I remember correctly, doesn't Luke offer a similar genealogy for your wife, Mary, it also includes King David, but goes all the way back to Adam. Uh, you're right, and you're wise to know that both genealogies, our origins, include the name of King David. But but we'll talk more about the importance of that later. For now, my point is, at the beginning of his gospel, Matthew clearly indicates that Jesus' origin was of man, listing in detail his human ancestors. But in the verses we're going to talk about tonight, uh, today, (laughs) this afternoon, whatever time it is, (laughs) in verse 18, Matthew now gives us another origin of Jesus. From the following verses, we clearly see that Jesus' origin is also of God. Continue, if you would, Gary. 
I'll do that. But think about this. We have something called podcasts, Joseph. So you could be right. It could be tonight or (laughs) tomorrow or whenever, because somebody (laughs) might be listening on a podcast. So anyway, I'll continue. There you go. (laughs) I'll continue there. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So, so you see there that the Holy Spirit, the origin of Jesus is not just from man, but of God. But, but the Holy Spirit indeed, a, a wonderful detail. But remember now, Gary, a, a detail unknown to me at this point. All I knew was that Mary was supposed to be a virgin, and here she was pregnant. Now, any man knows that pregnancy and virginity do not go together, which explains why I was about to do what I was about to do. Uh, please read on. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, these actions in themselves were not wrong. They did have an element of justice, righteousness, you might say, to them. After all, human reason would dictate that Mary had been unfaithful. What other explanation could there be for her pregnancy? So in divorcing her quietly, I was showing my respect for the law of God. For after all, the Lord has commanded us, thou shalt not commit adultery. But, you know, I've often wondered what the significance of wanting to divorce her quietly. Well, well, you know what the alternative was, don't you? Uh, No, what was it? Well, if I had not divorced her quietly, she would have been stoned to death. That's what the law of Moses required. Leviticus 20, verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be surely put to death. Mother and child both? Yes, but I was determined to act as a just, righteous man, rather than make a public spectacle of her, thereby risking her life and the child's, I decided to show mercy. Isn't that also what the law of Moses proclaimed? The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So you decided to divorce her quietly. Now I understand what that means. It simply meant you would not make a public spectacle of her. You were not going to give any reason for why you were divorcing her. I suppose you did that because you loved her. Well, perhaps, but at the time I was filled with a mixture of feelings. It it might have been love, but at the moment, what I felt most was anger. How could she betray me in this way? She had been unfaithful to me, even before I had known her myself. A part of me wanted to expose her wickedness to all the world. It wasn't an easy decision to divorce her privately. It would mean I would have to forfeit her dowry with no legal chance of getting the bride price back that I had paid for her. And unless people found out the truth, many would assume I was just like the Pharisees of my day, divorcing their wives for the slightest of causes. It sounds to me like you were the most righteous of husbands, sacrificing your own reputation and belongings for the good of your wife. But that's the point. What I did, in one sense, was totally right. But on the other hand, it was also totally wrong. Thank God I was set straight. You see, there I was, divorce document in hand. I was utterly exhausted. I was physically tired from all the running around trying to tend to the paperwork. You think your government is a tangled bureaucracy. It has nothing over ours, but but more about that later. And I, Gary, I was emotionally tired. After all, the one I loved had betrayed me. So as I contemplated, oh, 
what, what I would do next, I, I fell asleep. Uh, read on, Gary. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, say, there's the son of David stuff again. A good point, Gary. And as I said, remind me about it later, for it requires our further discussion. But but for now, just, just keep reading. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, with that verse in mind, I can now explain to you what it truly means to be a righteous man. And what does it mean to be a righteous man? It, it takes faith. You see, every dictate of human reason would decree that Mary must have been unfaithful. But now... I had to believe the impossible, that her child could be the result of some miraculous conception of the Holy Spirit. I can see where that would be hard for me to believe, but you had a dream from God that told you the truth about Mary's situation. And Gary, let me ask you this. How quickly do you change your opinions just because you had a dream? Dreams are by nature vague and transitory. How could a dream override the clear evidence of the light of reason? She was pregnant, and I was not the father. The conclusion was inescapable. But the dream did change your opinion. It changed your actions completely. For later, Matthew says, when Joseph woke from the dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. But, but don't you see, it wasn't because of a dream. My opinions and actions were were changed the same way that God changes all men's opinions and actions. And how is that? By his word. It wasn't the dream that convinced me. It was God's word about the name Jesus and about the promise of Emmanuel that gave me the faith to act as I did. Even as it's God's word that gives you, Gary, and all of your listeners faith today. It was not like your modern Christmas fables, where some transluent specter with jangling manacles changes the hearts of men. No, no, that's the business of fairy tales. God's word alone changes the hearts of men. And here was the clear word of the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Here was the name that meant so much to the people of my day, the name Jesus. And why would that name be significant to the Jews? Well, it harkens back to the great Old Testament name of Joshua, a name that means God will save. Gary, we were a people enslaved by foreign oppressors, the Roman Empire. We were a nation whose own leaders were collaborators with those tyrants. Many mothers in those times named their babies Jesus, for they all hoped their sons would grow up to lead their nation to freedom. But I sense the name had much more personal significance to you, Joseph. What was that? <laughs> you are a bright man, Gary. You are right. The name Jesus meant much more to me than just some earthly liberator. It was the meaning of that name that would give me faith to go against flesh and reason and take Mary to be my wife. 
Thank you so much for saying I was a bright man. Many of these people that John Lakomsky sets up call me names. So I appreciate that so much, Joseph. <laughs> well, you're and, more than welcome. I don't know why anyone would call you dumb. <laughs> yeah, but they do. And why did the name Jesus mean so much to you? Well, I tell you what, I'll be back next week and I'll tell you. But for now, may everyone remember that to be righteous means to have faith and that faith comes from the word of God alone. Oh, so you're going to just leave us hanging, Joseph. All That's right. right. <laughs> Until next Monday. And uh, we'll talk again then, and I look forward to it again next week. Well, until then, and God's blessings to you, Gary. Blessings to you as well, Joseph. We are the messenger of good news. We are worldwide at KFUO.org, and you can find our talk programs as podcasts, including this segment, wherever you get your podcast.